Welcome to Life, the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game with hosts Cliff Ravenscraft and Daphne Scott. Join this dynamic duo as they explore the profound concept of life as a thrilling adventure, blending ancient wisdom and modern psychology. Embrace the joy of living with presence, creativity, and playfulness. It's time to navigate the game of life together. Are you ready to play? Let the adventure begin. Let it begin. It's beginning. Daphne, you know what I love is that we're we're called the dynamic duo. <laughs> I need I need you to know that you know there's a uh, music radio creative is the uh, company that you turned me on to you've used them for years and they put all this together that's great I mean that guy's voice is so great but I do want you to know I did not put those words in there those are oh, their words <laughs> you know I said this is the general theme of the show and so when I got it back I was like of course we're a it reminds me of Super Friends. I'm not sure if yeah. you recall Super Friends, but there was, um, oh, what, what the Wonder Twin Power? Wonder Twin Power is activate. activate form of <laughs> there was and speak and there's always I the one person is always like some version of water, like ice or something. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And the other person and they just gle- to do it. Leak the monkey. That's right. Wow, good memory. I forgot about the monkey. I didn't understand yeah. the addition of the monkey, but I guess they needed a pet. I, I have no idea. What are we talking about today? I'm super excited. <laughs> well, I'm glad I am too. So, you know, it's life, the ultimate choose your own adventure game. And I was thinking this last week about really how we create the success for ourselves, how we create the not success. And I want to tell you, after our last show, I had so many conversations with people about, you know, being present and what does this mean and all the overlaps. And then I started thinking about what are the rules Like, what are the rules for our life? And I want to say this really stems from an article that I read years ago, and it has inspired me um, for in many ways for many since I read it during that time by Christian Claytonson. He was Clayton Christensen. Sorry. He was a Harvard professor. He since now uh, his body has left this earth, but he wrote this article and turned into a book. How will you measure your life? And what was so great about the articles, he started off with three questions that he would ask all of his Harvard business students. One, and I'm paraphrasing, one, how do you get the most out of, how will you get the most out of your you know, family life, your personal life? How will you get the most out of your work life? And third, how will you avoid being in jail, going to jail? <laughs> because <laughs> like so that's no, important for some reason. It's a very important 180, 180 turn because many of his Rhodes Scholar classmates had all done prison time. Ah, okay. White collar crime. Okay. So, you know, he, he, and so the, the idea of measuring our life is sort of interesting. You know, we can talk about like the success part of it, but more compelling to me was there's a section that he talks about, about the things, the lines, my words, the lines you just won't cross. Right. And so the idea of measuring and, and a yardstick and rule ruling, right? Like there's some measurement. And so I just started talking about rules. And I think, Cliff, in the work that you do with your clients, the work that I've done with my clients, one of the things that we can run into are rules that we've made up that are limiting rules. And so that's what I wanted to talk to. I want to talk today about both contrasting both of these things, right? Both of these sort of rules that can be helpful and then the ones that are not so helpful. So I love this. And as I was perusing the show outline and as you're introducing the fact that we're talking about the rules of the game of life that we have. One of the first metaphors that came to my mind is sitting down 
throughout the years of my life. I just turned 51 and I was probably introduced to the game, the board game Monopoly when I was probably seven or eight years old. Now, throughout my entire life, I've played the game of Monopoly with with at least 50 or 60 different people. All okay. right. And what shocks me is how everybody has different rules <laughs> for which they use to play the game of Monopoly. That's so good. It's, it's like, I'm sure, I'm not sure. Have you played Monopoly with different people throughout yes. your lifetime? Yes, I have. And, you so know, I, I need to ask you, Daphne, do you collect all of the money in the middle when you, uh, gosh, what it is when you hit free chest? Or because there's some people is like, listen, all the money that's paid to the middle of the board as taxes and bank fees and all that other stuff. Some people say that when you get community chest, you you take all of that money. And some say, no, that you don't take that money. And and everybody has these different ideas, not just about that, but all of the other different nuances of the game. It's, it's shocking how the actual gameplay of Monopoly is different with depending upon who you're playing the game with right okay so let me so i first of all to answer your first question i think typically with the people i've played with we'd put the money in the middle but at some point somebody does get it i can't remember what the trigger is that somebody gets the money but my other comment is more comment or question do you feel that the rules are different because people are interpreting them different or because we just don't take the time to read them <laughs> so the answer is yes and yes and and in different aspects different areas now i think probably at some point maybe somebody did read the rules probably all right and and maybe there was a misinterpretation of the rule or maybe there was just a rule that was forgotten but i think in most cases the game of monopoly as with the game of life is yeah. something that most of us are familiar with and we've played it for so long that we just assume there's no need to go back to the rules and read what they actually are, why they're there, thinking about who came up with the rules in the first place, why were <laughs> they incorporated. But but instead, and there were many, by the way, I am absolutely convinced I've played with a number of people who have never read the rules. You want to know why? Right. Because they played with somebody who taught them the rules and those people had been playing with people and their earliest experience of Monopoly is that they were taught by somebody who read the rules, who was taught by somebody who read the rules. And, <laughs> and, and so it's kind of like that little game that you played in elementary school where you whisper a, a phrase into your friend's ear. The telephone your game. The telephone game and it goes all the way back and it's and it's a completely different phrase by the time it reaches the full circle <laughs> and i think that that's what's going on with the game of monopoly and i think it's what's going on with the game of life i don't know that i could have come up with a better metaphor than you just did right there i mean and i think that's exactly right and so would you say would you say that you're a, this is, and this is how I was thinking about my own life too. I was asking myself this question. Would you say that you, that you are a rule reader, not, not follower. I think that's a different sort of part of the conversation we're going to have today, but do you read, are you a rural reader or are you somebody teach me and I just do sort of what they said or how do you, how do you sort of land? 
prior to reading the book The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz for the very first time. Yeah, great book. I was a rule reader and I was a rule follower. Okay, okay. Stay within the guidelines. Now today, I recognize that every rule was just made up by somebody. Right, right. And even before then, I say that I was a rule follower, but it depended on what the rule was. <laughs> and if it works from my life or not. <laughs> it, that's exactly right. Was it, it convenient it, it, for me? <laughs> was it convenient? For, was it an impedance from what I wanted to create in this world? And so there are a number of times, regardless of the fact that I knew the rule, I knew what the guidelines are. Yeah. I still, even before reading that book, uh, but that book confirmed that this is the right way for me to live anyway. But uh, before <laughs> I lived by this philosophy, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to seek permission. Oh, man. So that was so that was one. Of, so that was that one of your big rules or it still is one of your big rules? I'd say I'd say that. It, no, it's no longer. Actually, I don't think it's my. Uh, rule anymore because I don't only feel the need to ask for permission, nor do I feel the need to ask for forgiveness. So yeah. I'm completely free of most <laughs> rules today. <laughs> right. And okay, so this is perfect. I mean, I would I would agree with that. I think, well, before we get to the to the next stage of this, and I do think that words are important, how I'm defining the idea of rule. Right, yeah, really you're thinking managed. of it as measure, and, and I think that is so unique because I would have never thought of that. I think yeah. of rule as law, yes. as guidance, as governance. Yes, and that is a reframe that I wanted to do on the word words matter. They create worlds. I think if we don't have some um, – you know, if we don't, if we don't know how we're defining things, we do, then we don't know what we're talking about. Right. And so exactly what you just said, like rule to you, how you would think of it. And I think how most people would think of it is like a law, right? Like either it is, or it isn't. It's a very binary sort of thing. You're doing this or you're not. I definitely think of it as more of a measure. Like how am I yeah. measuring the whole thing? I love that. And what if we didn't even have the context of this conversation and all we said is today, we're going to talk about rulers. Yes, And you would have been thinking of a ruler that you would pull out and measure something. And I would have been thinking of like some king or dictator. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so good, too. I didn't think about like the dictator, which yeah. would fit into the law. Yeah, which would fit into the law thing. Yeah, so good. Okay, so there's a place I want to go, but we're not going to go into the conversation just yet. I'm going to take us there. In the meantime, though, I think, you know, getting back to sort of what how we relate to the idea of like, are we are we following these quote rules, you know, and I think that's one of the big parts when we work with clients too. And I think we see this in business. I think we see it in life. We see it everywhere is sort of what, what did you discover? And I'll share a little bit of my story too, but what did you discover, discover so far in your, did you say you're turning 51? I just turned 51. Yeah. Okay. I'm 53. I'll be 54 this year. And you're 51 and my soon to be, well, not so soon. It's not till November, 54 years. Wait, did you just have a birthday? I did. You're having a birthday. Weekend. Oh, happy Saturday. birthday. Saturday. Happy Thank birthday. You. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, that's so great. Um, so, you know, what have you discovered that were some of the limiting, I'm going to call them limiting rules. We could use the word belief in this phrase, I think, in the statement. But, you know, what were some of the limiting rules sort of that you discovered that were like, yeah, that was helpful, but then it became not helpful? Well, actually, most of my rules that I had were not 
helpful. So okay. I'd love to, uh, this is not in your outline, but I'd love to introduce something that I picked up through Date with Destiny with Tony Robbins. Yeah, do whatever he, you want. He, he talked about this pro, this um, framework for helping you create lasting change in your life. He talks about the fact that you can shift your emotional state in any given moment by changing your focus, your, I'm sorry, your physiology, your focus, and then what you what meaning you assign to what you focus on. He says, if you want to change your, your emotional state in any given moment, moment to moment, you can do that intentionally. But if you want to shift your emotional state to where you don't get triggered into the stuff you'd not like to, that you'd prefer not to get triggered into. There's something that you have to do. There's a shift you need to make that will give you lasting change. And mm. that is you have to know what your values are and what your rules are to reach those values. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that he does is it's called the moving towards and moving away values assessment. And for the purpose of this exercise, he describes that values are emotional states that you either want to experience or you want to avoid. So, That's right. so there is means and there's the ends. So, for example, a lot of people say, what's your, what's your highest value? Family. Well, family is a means to the end. Yeah. So a sense of family is a sense of connection it's a it, it leads towards a love a bond a, a sense of security and relationship so in essence what he's getting at is like uh, yes family is a, is a value you know work ethic is a value but all of those are leading towards emotional states that you're going after so what he did he says okay what are all of the emotional states that you find most important for you to experience and list them out and then what are all of the emotional states that are most important for you to avoid feeling? And right. then you prioritize all of those. And then in your moving towards states that you want, he, he asks a question once you have them prioritized. Okay, let's just say uh, financial security is one of your highest value emotional state. I want financial security. Then the question is, what has to happen for you to feel financially secure? And you would write that down. And then the next question is, what else must happen for you to feel this? And you write it down. And you keep answering this question over and over again. <laughs> your subconscious mind doesn't give you anything else that has to happen. Yep. Now, you do this for all of those moving towards uh, emotional states. Then on the moving away from the things that you want to work to avoid. Let's just say um, uh, shame or guilt or depression. Uh, depression would probably going be going to jail. Or, or going, <laughs> well, that's, that's, a, that's an action. but Action, um, yeah, uh, not an emotional state. Imprisonment or yeah. lack of freedom. Freedom. So, so, um, so imprisonment or, yeah, whatever the opposite of that is, the opposite of freedom. Um, so... What would you do? What has to happen, or no, what could happen that would cause you to feel this negative emotion? And then the next question is not like the other one. It's not what else has to happen. It's what else could happen. Yeah. And and if you follow through, and by the way, you might want to record, rewind a little bit, go back and ask all of those questions of yourself. But if you do this exercise, what happens is you have a list of rules for all the things you want to feel in life. Yes. And if any one of that entire list of what must happen is not met, you can't feel that thing you want to feel. 
Yeah. And it's like, wow, no wonder I never feel connected. No wonder I never feel free. No wonder I never feel love. No wonder. It's like I've got too many rules that must be met. Yes. And on the opposite side, the moving away is you've got this bullet point list of all of the things that could happen to cause you to feel that. And guess what? Only one of those rules needs to be triggered <laughs> and you're feeling it's like, no wonder my life is a mess. And I had two. So I did this exercise years ago and I had two experiences doing that. One, I looked at all of the rules, you know, things that must happen for me to experience something. And I thought this is crazy. That was the first experience. Like this to me, the second and more profound, <laughs> more profound part of the exercise for me were was how many of these things that I was setting up in my mind were actually out of my control. Yes. And that yes. was pretty profound. I, I really looked at it and I'm like, I can't, I cannot in my best, on my best day control, <laughs> you know, I must get this promotion. Well, good luck. <laughs> I mean, it's okay for you to work towards it and do the things you want to do. But, but if that's the outcome the yeah. the only outcome, man, good luck with that. Yeah. So I had a client who had connection and love right at the top of their list. Yeah. And number one, my wife must uh, my wife must appreciate and uh, share encouraging words. My <laughs> wife must be physically interested in engaging in intercourse. My kids must appreciate and acknowledge my contributions. And and I'm like. Dude, where where where's your where's your responsibility anywhere in this yes. list to feel love and connection? Bingo. That's it. And so that was a real reframe, you know, and this is kind of getting at the part of it. That was a real reframe moment for me of how many things I was outsourcing. Right? Outsourcing to other people, outsourcing to the universe, outsourcing to the world for me to experience what I wanted to experience in my life, the emotions, right? Connection, whatever, love, joy. Joy is a big one for me. So, and freedom. So yeah, that, that, that's the value of that exercise. So I think do rewind if you're listening and do the exercise. Yes. And the great news, and by the way, I'll, and I'm going to give you the whole $6,000 worth of value right here because yeah, the next, after you've done all of that, then actually go in and say, Hey, these, this is what automatically came up for me. This is the prioritization. Number one, you can change your values. Yeah. Be intentional. Yes, you, can. Yeah, uh, you, can. You, you can literally change them. You could remove some of the things that were on the original list and put new ones on. You can reprioritize all of them. And here's the next thing. You can change all of the rules. And by the way, if I can give you a little hint, if you do rearrange all of the rules, Make as few rules as possible on yeah. both sides <laughs> and make them all things that you're in control of and that don't have any dependence on outside situations or circumstances or other people. Okay, now you've and got now you, guys, now you have the recipe. <laughs> you've just you've just hacked the game of life and and things get really adventurous. It's <laughs> so good. And if any of my family's listening, you were the top. Now I've put you at the bottom. So I just <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. When we talk about changing the rules, you can put them at the bottom. But that comes to more of this idea. So there are certain phrases when people would say them that would really get my attention, um, especially if I was sitting in a boardroom or, you know, when I was in my corporate world, when people would say things like, well, this is, this, you know, this is how it is. This is how it works. Or what you need to understand is. 
And what I realized was that much, first of all, no one has the lock on reality. I don't think, I don't think. I think I saw that in your outline and you want to know the first phrase that came into mind as soon as I read that. Yeah. I believe that every person has the lock on their own reality. Yes, exactly. On their own reality. Absolutely. And that I appreciate. What I realized though, and it's odd to me that this keeps coming up, but I'm just going to keep going with it, is we want that sense of certainty again, right? And I think that's where some of these more, what I would call constrictive ways of being or constrictive ways of believing or self-limiting beliefs, so on and so forth, these sort of rules, the law that we make up, where some of that comes from. I looked at, I was thinking about my own life. So let's go back to when I was um, <laughs> doing, doing all the Tony Robbins exercise and looking at, you know, how much I wanted to just feel certain, right? That if X happened, it meant Y would occur. And that would give me a sense of certainty, right? If I um, get the exact job that I want, it would mean that I would be fulfilled in my work for the rest of my life. And so there was just this, I, I was trying to put the, the pieces together on what, what it was about wanting to believe X leads to Y and, and outsourcing that elsewhere. And I thought, oh, it's just wanting to, a sense of certainty. So when I hear those phrases and you're right, everyone does have their own lock on their own reality, which is perfect. <laughs> and that's what keeps it. That's the adventure, I think. And also when we're wanting to put that onto other people, like if I keep telling you my rules, cliff and like mm -hmm. oh if you're not right and convincing you of my rules and my reality and saying that the only way we're going to be able to hang out together is if you buy into my reality over here then that starts to become a quite a limiting factor for us because it is outsourcing my experience of my own emotion and my own feeling onto you so i yeah. i just yeah i came and i and i think that sort of that phrasing has always caught my attention and i couldn't figure out exactly yeah. why so yeah as you're saying that I want to say that there have been many times throughout my life or much of my life where I in, played the game of life through a certain set of rules that I absolutely believe to be certain to be true. Yep. And quite frankly, I would only do life with other people who played the game of life according to, to the same rules that I had. Yeah, it was it was easier to at the time. I felt it was easier to interface and and it gave me a lot of consistency and it gave me a lot of validation and all sorts of other things that you know it's like hey this is a place this is a community of people that i can that i can that i know that will be accepting of me these this and, and so much of so much and what happened was this may seem to be an incredibly powerful thing and i don't discount the value of having such community of like-minded people who have a lot of agreements Sure. But my concern, the the what I found is too much of my own well-being emotionally was tied to other people's acceptance of my rules and, yes. and stuff like that. And so so much of my life was to remain like them. I'll give you a perfect example of this. When I left a lifetime of being an employee to become a full-time self-employed business owner in January 2008, I created a group of advisors and I put them into this uh, Google group so that I could reach out to them and ask them for advice. These were all people that I knew who I felt could speak wisdom to me about some of the decisions that I was facing as this brand new entrepreneur business owner guy. 
And on this group was a bunch of people who had a lot of experience with business. Um, only two or three of them were entrepreneurs. The rest of them were employees. Okay. And this one time I reached out to the group and I said, listen, guys, things are really tight financially. Things, you know, things are moving in the right direction, but it's really tight. I'm, I have this guilty thing. I feel so ashamed about this, but I'm wondering, and it's been a, suggested that maybe I should apply for food stamps to help put food on the table while things are really lean here in 2008. And I felt so much shame, so much guilt about this entire even thought in my mind. Sure. And I put it out to this group of 10 people. And the <clears throat> first person who responded said, that's it. Cliff, it is time for you to give up on this. I, I was truly supportive of everything, but this crosses the line of irresponsibility. Oh. I can no longer encourage you to pursue this path when you are putting your family's health and well-being at risk. Uh, by all means, you need to go get your job back as an insurance agent. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that confirms every fear, every <laughs> doubt, everything. And, of course, I'm going to give in to the pressure and the non-acceptance of anybody against the way they their rules. Yeah. However, thankfully, I had nine other people on this list. All nine of them suggested that the first thing that I do is to eliminate that person from the group. <laughs> and then the second thing is to go apply for food, stamps, but food on the table. Now that's funny. <laughs> but I share that story it's a great authentically story. to tell you that wow, I mean I it, it it's so important if you want to step outside of what other people believe are acceptable and stuff like this that that carries a lot of weight and I yeah. had the 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 same rules that that guy that says Cliff this is enough he was operating in life much under the same exact rules that I was. Right, right. And if he was the only person I sought out or other people who would have had those similar rules. But thankfully, I put a diverse group of people in here. A lot of people who see things from a lot of different perspectives. And sure, and, and I mean, I grew up, I, my first years of life was in government housing. That's the background that I grew oh. up in. Yeah. So, so I had a lot of negative stuff. It's like, listen, no, th 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 this is not the world. If you are living off of the government, you're taking advantage of a system and all this. And, and I love that the advice that I got the cliff dude, if you only knew how profitable and how successful financially your business will ultimately become, and yeah. there will be a day where you will pay more in taxes on one paycheck than any benefits you'll get from this system for as long as you're on it. And that has absolutely been the case. <laughs> right. Man, that is, I mean, you basically, you, it's all, I mean, it's just the universe is so great, right? Like you, you sought out this group of people and, and you made sure unconsciously there's one person there to, to reaffirm your old rules. <laughs> Again, certainty, like, oh, this is the belief I have. And it was still lurking around in there. And thank goodness to your point about different people, different beliefs, different people who have a different way of seeing the world. Thank goodness. You know, I had a friend of mine reach out to me about she wanted to take on this, you know, really starting to build like her real estate right? Should I do this? Should I buy this house? Should I buy, should I rent this condo? Should I, you know, all these things. And I'm like, look, I, this, and I, you know, this is some a practice I've put in place a long time ago. And then I found out it's sort of a real stoic 
you know, practice from the Stoics. <clears throat> but it's like, let's play out worst case scenario here. Yeah. Right. Like, let's run it. Let's run. Let's run the whole thread. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You sell everything and you move back in with your mom. You know, it's <laughs> like your worst case. <laughs> this is an educated person. Well, you know, she's got she'll never have a problem working. But it just, you know, we can run into these sort of rules. Um, we can find people to affirm those rules for us. And surrounding ourselves with people, I think people who have also walked the path that we're wanting to walk. You know, I have certainly had those people in my life. That was one of the biggest game-changing moments in my life was meeting a person, my dear friend Jim, who I I just, I knew it when I saw it and it changed the rest of my life, um, you know, when I was 30 years old. So it was just these these sort of moments of surrounding ourselves with people who don't necessarily play by the rules that we have played by previously, right? Um, yes. so I want, yeah, it was a great story. So I wanted to, I wanted to, um, come back to something you said, which is really about, do our rules change in our life, right? Do we make changes to the rules in our life? And you gave, I think a really good description of one, of one way that you did that there. And it fits in a little bit, I think, with what you said about the values of our life too. I would imagine there's, as we're, you know, I can absolutely say the things that I value now, it, it in my life were not the same things that I valued when I was in my twenties. Thank goodness. <laughs> and, probably, and probably some of the things that I was trying to think of, what were the, what are the things that I still value now that I also valued then, you know, and I absolutely connection with my friends, connection with family, um, being, being of service in the world. Those themes have been true my whole life. So, you know, that, that has played, played itself out. But I was curious, what rules would you say are different for you now? And I know you've had several that are that you just described too, but what rules do you say, or maybe more values, would you say have shifted for you and therefore the rules became different? Yeah, so for me, the, the ones that shifted the most is certainty. Like certainty yeah. was, was a, a big driver for me for so much of my life and also significance has been a driver for me for for my life. Mm -hmm. So I would say prior to 2015 and it was very intentional actually it was 2016. Uh so prior to 2015 2016 somewhere around there I was a certainty and significance driven person. Yeah. And everything that I wanted in life it was all about hey what do I have to do to make sure that financially things are going to be taken care of, that there's always going to be money flowing in or whatever the case may be, or that um, there's enough people in this world who know, like, and trust me that have been impressed by who I am, that they will say good things about me and avoid saying negative things about me. Because if they say good things about me, it means that there's probably going to lead to more financial certainty in the future with my reputation versus if somebody says things negatively, it could damage. So certainty was certainly number one, but significance <laughs> seemed to be the supporting thing. That's so and good. So much of my life was all about, number one, trying to be significant in the eyes of others Yeah, in pursuit of reaching that number one thing in my life, which was just certainty. Yes. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, is that I've always had there. So what hasn't changed in my life is to encourage others. Mm -hmm. Stephanie and I were looking at Ikigai. And, and I bought these little cards off of Amazon. They're called Ikigai. Anyway, okay. anyway, it's a Japanese art. And it's it, one of the cards says, hey, what is your verb? 
And my verb is encourage. Yeah. My verb. My I came to this world to fill in the blank. And my verb is encourage. And that's always been at my heart. However, the number of times where I have misappropriated in many ways my number one gift and contribution to the world, while I've always been driven to encourage, I'm just thinking of how many times I've used my gift that I have for the world to encourage in trying to manipulate others to think of me as being a significant person so that I can have certainty. Yes. And what's happened since then is that I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Certainty is still on my list of values that I want to move towards. Sure. But it is the final one on the list of like seven or eight. And significance is no longer on my list at all yeah. that I want to move towards. Because I, it's just it, significance is a part of my being. It's, it's the essence of my identity, and I don't have to get that from anyone else out there. And the same much is true is, is, is from certainty. But what this has done, what this has allowed me to do is to truly live in the essence of my verb, which is encouragement, and it's no longer trying to impress people. I'm not encouraging you to impress you. It's not. I'm not <clears throat> encouraging you so that you'll think better about me, so that you'll think about hiring me or referring somebody to me. I'm just here to encourage because it's the essence of my being. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so this is sort of getting into a little bit of what I wanted to talk about too, because when we talk about, and we'll come back to rules as a measurement here in a second, but I want to stick with the kind of law idea just for a minute, because it's just a different lens. Look at, you know, what if my rules are really, and I think this is some of what, you, man, you hit it when you said sort of manipulating others. What if my rules are, they may be seemingly supporting my well-being, but they may be at a detriment to another? And I when you when you talked about how you can use your ability for encouragement or encouraging others, I was thinking about my my verb probably now would be playing, play like playing, seeing life <clears throat> more through that lens. But you know, I can definitely look at it look at a, an essence of of um, my personality that people really enjoyed, which was my ability to give some sense of certainty. Right, some there was this confidencing. <laughs> Can I call it that? I don't know. But this confidence that I had. And so, uh, but I can see how that could really step over other people's contributions at times and ability for more collaboration, right? When my yeah. voice is the loudest one in the room and I'm taking the focus and I learned so much through theater about that, but in, in improv, but you know, how that could become more of, and in the quest for, by the way, of significance in the quest for, you know, feeling as though I was accomplishing something or achieving something greater than somebody else, because I needed that. I needed that to feel good about, you know, what was going on over here on planet Daphne. So um, what if our rules are impacting the well-being of others? Like, how do you square that? What do you think, you know, when you mentioned just manipulating others, because this is something that I thought about when I was putting this together and defining the idea of rules. So, by the way, manipulating, using that gift to manipulate doesn't, yeah. in my mind, automatically mean as a detriment to others. There are many times I'm manipulating the opportunity, which just means I'm trying to maneuver and sure. transform the experience in a way that's positively impacting my ability to reach these, you know, the significance and or 
certainty. Yeah. And in many ways, it's not a, not only is it not a detriment, many in many times it may seem to benefit others that we have this whole economic, if you will, scenario playing out between us. You know, yeah. I, you know, you, you, you work with me in my relationship to get your needs met. And I work with you to get my needs met and all of this other stuff, but it perpetuates this idea that our well-being is in the hands of someone other than ourselves or yeah. in the circumstance of someone. Perfect. Else. And so if there's one thing that I've come to understand, at least in, for my own experience, and I have a lock on my own reality, and that is. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> in my world. I'm too busy with mine I, over here to worry about yours, honestly. <laughs> got my hands full over here. <laughs> in my world. All of my peace, all of my love, all of my joy, all of my certainty, all of my well-being is within me. Yeah. And it requires nothing externally from anyone or anything. And I have a – and, of course, in my world, I have a strong belief that the same is true for every other human on this planet – and we're all on some level of a journey or path towards discovering that well-being within ourselves. That is our essence. That is our core. That is our true identity. And we're all in, 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 a, in a different stage of the path of finding that. I totally agree. I mean, I, you know, I'm asking and sort of like the big existential questions have, that have been explored for thousands of years, right? We're, do, we're doing that right now on the show. Just Of course we are. <laughs> Why we bring ancient wisdom to this? It's in the <laughs> podcast description. We have to do it. Um, yeah, and and I think, I mean, Cliff, I think that's really where all of this heads. You know, if we just look at even the other the show we did last week, you know, this idea of mindfulness of where where are we sourcing all of this well being from? I I haven't. You know, when I think about my own life. I haven't. I've not yet woke up and be like, you know, I hope I feel really bad all day today. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't had one of those days. I haven't had one of those days. I've been feeling way too good. Um, so yeah, I think wait a second, wait a second. Subconsciously, I've done that. Well, a lot subconsciously, we've past. done it a lot. Yeah, when things get too good, you know, yeah, I'm waiting for like, that shoe to drop. I had a client who said that to, to me over and over again. It's like, man, it's like this is so amazing. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, yep, it's gonna drop. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're you're bringing that bad boy right on into your life. You you go Here ahead. Look for go, go have an argument with your wife by all means. <laughs> so, things have been too good for you. Is it Friday? There's an argument coming. Yes. So when most of them happen Thursdays and Fridays between couples. So you know you're getting too close, right? We're gonna have too much downtime. We have to have a big argument. Blow it up. So yeah, I and you know I was thinking about game theory a little bit, which is sort of fun since it, since it's in the title. I thought, why not? But how we make our decisions, you know, and I think really you got to it at the top, at the top really Cliff is, you know, we're looking to feel a certain way. We want to experience a certain feeling. And I do think, while I do think there's some of wanting to avoid certain things, I think really coming to it from like, what do I really want to experience in my life? And then, and then the key was taking responsibility for that. Right. And we're making, and I didn't, I could have, when I started putting this together, I could have made this show about decision-making. I really <laughs> didn't want to do that because I, I mean, there's a lot to that. We could talk about that. However, one of the things that I know has been true in my life is that 
in that quest for certainty, what I realized is I am always going to be making decisions with incomplete information. Yes. Right. I can never possibly know the outcome of a situation. I don't know. I'm talking to you right now. I have no idea what you're going to say next, what you're going to do next, how you're going to respond. I mean, you could just and the sh you could just disappear off the screen. I don't know what's going to happen. So, and, and that was when I, you know, I kind of came back to, well, when, well, then what is driving, you know, how aware am I of what is driving my choices? What is the thing that is, you know, through all the work that, you know, I've done in coaching and becoming a coach and working with people, understanding that it is a lot about, okay, I'm going to make this decision. I don't really know. I can rationalize why later, <laughs> which is what they've discovered we do. We take an action and then we explain it after the fact in most instances. And there is a feeling that is being potentially sought after, or there's a creativity that's wanting to come through. And, and somewhere an idea popped up into my head. You know, now I'm working on this becoming a professional drummer. I really don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can rewind my life and I can say, oh, music. And I, and I don't really know. It just seems something that is coming through that I enjoy and I love it and I'm doing it and training and, you know, all the things that you know about, but yeah, it's sort of interesting how we come to these, um, choices. And I really wanted to honor the reality in our experience of, we are making a lot of these choices with incomplete information. We really don't know. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of things that come to my mind as I hear that and the idea that we are making decisions from incomplete information. The one thing that I discovered through studying how our brain works, it typically has three main responsibility. Our brain's uh, responsibility is to take all of the input stimuli coming in yeah. from all of our five senses. And actually, there are more than five senses in the body, I've discovered. Yes. But anyway... Our brain is taking all of this data. I mean, it's a profound amount of data. <laughs> Crazy case. So our brain is designed to do three things. Distort, delete, and generalize. Yes. So it is distorting, deleting, and generalizing everything so that we can make sense of everything. And specifically, our subconscious mind is operating in such a way that it wants to do it so that, it, that our experience of reality lives in alignment with our belief system. Yeah, right. What we believe to be true. And so therefore, when I'm <clears throat> making a decision, I'm, I am limited to what my brain has not deleted, distorted, <laughs> or generalized. <laughs> and the, that's the value in my mind when it comes to decision maker ma making. There's a thing in the Old Testament, in the Proverbs, it says, of the Bible, it says, uh, plans fa fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Yeah. By the way, it doesn't say plans fail because you lack following the advice of your many counselors. It's not <laughs> saying that. I just want to point that Thank out. Thank goodness. Or you would have quit this long ago. <laughs> exactly. So, but what is valuable is when you're facing a decision, when I'm facing a decision, I am going to be limited to my own beliefs about what's possible, yeah. about what's going to happen with pattern recognition of all the things I've experienced or witnessed or read about, heard talked about, been told by others. 
I have all of this stuff that I am making this decision based upon. But as soon as I go to one more person or a larger group of people and share with them what my decision that I'm facing is, and I begin either sharing what my perspective is, and they're like, oh, no, have you you thought about this? They begin to open me up to more insight, more information. Now, the thing is, is there's an infinite amount of information out there. So yeah. when even 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 if I went to 20 people and saw everyone's wisdom and advice and I had many councils and we met together you know for hours a week for 30 weeks straight I'm still going to have to at some point make a decision on limited information. Yeah. But yes. at least it's beyond the scope of what I've gathered and that's always going to be the the more information I can process the better, but at the same time, when and I know this is not a podcast episode on decision making. At some point, you just need to make a decision. Yeah, it, you, yeah just, I, you, you, you you can't let this thing go on forever. So uh, <laughs> it's like just just do it. Just do it. Let's do it. To quote the slogan of some company. Um, yeah, you do need to, and you know, and I want to rewind just a little bit because what you're talking about is that perspective. You know, acknowledging that we do have our, our own lock on our own reality and that there are other perspectives and we can, you know, get our trusted group of advisors, whoever those people are that can see the world a little bit differently and ask for input to see our blind spots. You know, one of the things that I'm going through with this, um, drumming stuff that I'm working on is we have to video ourselves. I've never videoed myself playing the drum ever. Like, I think I'm doing okay. And it's been eye opening (laughs) from a a technique perspective from, you know, and I have these brilliant, brilliant instructors who have, you know, made, made their life's work playing the drums and doing music. And, you know, they can watch this and they're like, oh, you know, consider this, don't move your foot like this, you know, or or in this spot, move your foot this way, but not this way, you know, and it's, it's eye opening because I had no idea what I was doing. And what I mean by that is, I was doing it in such a way that it maybe wasn't as efficient as I could have been. Right. right. So I was playing the music and I was doing, but it wasn't efficient because I couldn't see it. Um, so that was very, very opening. So yeah, getting that, getting that feedback, feedback and input from others can be life-changing um, and still recognizing it's going to be incomplete. I'm not going to do it with complete information. So we talked right. about and the well-being. The great news is that when you make a decision, you're going to take action and yes. then you're going to get results. And guess what you get? more information (laughs) (laughs) and then you can make decisions and that's the big adventure for sure. All right. So I thought in this, in this whole quest, and I want to come back to rule as a measurement, right? How will we measure our life? What is, what's our yardstick? What's our ruler look like? And as I thought about this cliff, I thought about something you really turned me on to, which is the optimal system. Ah, yes. Because I thought the the results you're getting are perfect perfect for the system system. you have created. (laughs) Perfect for the system you created. So I thought this could be a a very, you know, we talked about the Tony Robbins work, but I thought this would be a very actionable thing that, you know, if you're listening to us, you can do today. I've done it. And I, by the way, and I have redone it and I've done it and I've redone it and I've done it, redone it ever since we worked on this together. So it's, it's beautiful. So I created the optimal system for living. I think that's what you called it. Yeah. I also created an optimal system for feeling like crap because I think it's very, (laughs) 
it's a contrast. So I can I think see... it's always best to start with the op like the the negative first. Yeah, and, and the finish. way Yes. The the way that this was taught, to, for, by the way, I want to give credit to Rich Litvin, co-author of the book, The Prosperous Coach. That's where I first heard about this. He calls yeah. it his perfect system. Yeah. And the, the thing, what I love about this, this is the approach. Are you experiencing something in life that you absolutely no longer want to experience? It's like, right. listen, this is reducing my quality of life. And so um, I think the his his was how to, you know, he how to... Um, he had discovered that he was struggling financially, no matter how much more profitable his business was getting. Yeah, All right. Thanks. So, yeah. And and what he realized, and he heard it from his coach, Steve Chandler, he heard that the results you're getting are perfect for the system that you're creating. And the idea was his coach had told him, hey, you know what? You should create a course to teach people how to do what you've been able to do so successfully. You have perfected a system that could that anyone can apply that you could teach them how to struggle with money no matter how profitable their business becomes. <laughs> and so people people could buy that course from you, download all of the modules where you would teach it, and by the end, they too can oh, struggle so with good. money no matter how profitable their business is. <laughs> and so he then decided to create a mind map of all yeah. of the things that are going on that have caused him that 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 give him the potential of experiencing this money struggle no matter how much money's coming in it's like don't yeah. check the numbers don't track any expenses don't yep. learn how taxes work don't <laughs> do investing it's like yeah this is a perfect system for always struggling yes. and then the idea is to create the opposite of that system that's right that's right so i would encourage it you know if you're with us today explore that. And I think this is, this is where I come into the measurement part of it. These are not, my optimal system isn't rules because life is complicated. <laughs> it can get messy. I take on different things that I want to get done, right? Um, different responsibilities. And when I look at my optimal system, what I pay attention to is really the measurement, like how well am I functioning within that optimal system, right? Did I hit a majority of the things that really will make my life, and I think of life as flowing, that will really allow life to flow well? And one of the big considerations in that system is how, how prepared am I to be with the other humans? I know if there are certain things that I haven't done to take care of myself or to put myself in the mind state that I want to be in, that my interaction with the other humans isn't as effective as it could be. Or I know if I let myself drift too far outside of sort of my measurement system, that system, that I won't be as effective in my life. My performance in my life won't be what I want it to be. So more so about what I'm taking responsibility for. I don't know how you relate to your optimal system, but it's um, it's very helpful um, in me yeah. keeping track of myself. When, I, when it comes to tracking my effectiveness of navigating life in a way that I experience as joy and peace. Mm -hmm. For me, it's tracking. It, it, you know, it used to be tracking those things like, um, you know, how how many days in a week have I worked out? How many days in a week have yeah. I done this? And yeah. and it's all. But again, that gets back to that's the rules, right? So for for me, it is my 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 measurement of success in life 
is how much of my life am I going with the flow? Yeah. So this is a, a very Taoist philosophy of Wu Wei. And how how many how much of my life am I going without resistance to what is? Yeah. Um, I certainly have my desires, I certainly have my expectations, but whenever my desires are not met and my expectations are not met, I used to resist that. Yeah. I used to have resistance about it. And today I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that, and, and don't get me wrong. There are times when it takes a, <laughs> you know, a little bit of an, adjust, an adjustment period. But for me, measurement of life is how much of my life am I actually experiencing the present moment? Mm-hmm. And how much of my life am I free from all of the rules? How much, how much, how much of my life am I free from the accounting that I've done in the past of what's right and what's wrong and what's all, all these other things. How much of my life am I in the moment experiencing what is right now and then looking for what does this make possible? And the more, so for me, the measurement and the rule of life for me is how much time and how consistent can I be? How, how frequent am I living in the moment? versus and the opposite and it, it i have no the actually there's one other rule is how how much of my life can, so, so rule measurement so so yeah, yeah measurement. Measurement. how much of my life can i be without judgment without yeah. criticism and without complaining that's so good. i know that i'm living a great life if i'm not judging if i'm not criticizing and if i'm not complaining yeah. And you're using a phrase that, okay, so you just bent the whole thing, right? You're, you're talking now how much, right? Yes. And so from, right. How much, like how much of my life, how much of my experience is this, right? And what's the experience like when, I mean, I, how, <laughs> the experience when we're judging, blaming and complaining is very different than when we're not doing those things. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, the judging, blaming and complaining, just to give a minute to that, I, I, I'm, 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 what you know wanting to give a breath to that because it is a way that we find certainty when i can judge blame and complain i feel very right <laughs> i feel very convinced and so i think some of our you know i know i notice when i am doing it there's some fear underneath that i haven't gotten to because yeah. i want to feel certain about something right so i can judge i can i can complain about it blame whatever so just to give some honor to that and the experience that i have if i'm doing that versus not doing that and doing something else which is appreciating understanding right curiosity all these other things i can tap into yes. part of my optimal system right that i can tap into to allow myself to feel more expansive versus that constriction that comes when we're doing that so yeah i mean how much of my life is feeling that way how much of my life is living that way and i think that's the advantage of rule rule <laughs> measurement and really what i took away from that article way yeah. back many years ago when i read it right and how are we doing that so optimal so creating the optimal system for living yes yeah not a constricted system for living <laughs> expansive expansive but i thought you know uh we were going i was going to end the show with a quote but i actually thought you know for you joining us today, I would love to hear people's like some of their favorite quotes about rules if they want to share them with us. I think that'd be really fun. So, and I'd where love. where can they email you, Daphne, to send yeah. those to you? Yeah, send them to Daphne at Daphne-Scott.com. 
Just send them my love way. It. And I think I'll read some of them on our next show or something. I don't know. We'll do something with That'd them. That'd be great. I'd love that. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be fun. But I love to hear people's thoughts on rules. Or send, it, send us thoughts on whatever. I don't care. <laughs> you want our thoughts on other things, you know? Uh, that'd be great, too. We'd, we'd love it. Um, so great. Yeah. One for thriving, a system for thriving, and a system to feel not so thriving. But start with the not so thriving one first. Yeah. Yeah, I had a I, I had experienced some weight gain during COVID, and I woke up uh, one morning and I got on the scale, and I'm like, okay, something's going on here, and yeah. and I and I'm like, oh, okay, wait a second, I have created a perfect system for gaining weight, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's what I here's what I noticed that has been a, a, a habitual pattern for me in each of these different areas, and I'm like, Good. yep, that 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 that. that Getting on the scale is going to, that is the perfect result each day Isn't as it? a result of the system that I had created. <laughs> and in an immediate, lovely feedback tool, right? Yes. Shows us our blind it spot, is. right? It's like real time, real time. Well, Cliff, I don't know. I think we'll enjoy, we'll wrap up the show. I'm Excellent. Well, for the episode, not the show. Sorry. Yeah. The episode, not the show. We're going to keep doing the show as far as we can tell. So keep joining us as far as we can tell, but we are going to wrap up the episode. I do wanted to give, I do want to give uh, just a toss for people interested to check out your, I mean, you have many shows, but it's, yes. but, but specifically the mindset um, mindset answer man podcast with Cliff Ravens. Also, also known as the Cliff Ravenscraft show. You can find it at the cliff Ravenscraft show.com. But or just look up Cliff Ravenscraft in your favorite podcast directory. It is also known as Mindset Answer Man. I do talk about all things mindset, yeah. and yeah, would love to have you check and it out. And business too. I mean, I think I think that's the lovely and business thing. strategy. Yeah, and business strategy. So I just I wanted to give a moment to that. I did post an article also on LinkedIn that people can find about what to do. You know, when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by your stuff, by the many things which I can still do to myself from time to time. <laughs> So, so I shared that as well, but you can find that. All right. We're going to wrap up the show. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Make your best moves as you play this game of life. And you can find us at cliffravenscraft.com and also daphne-scott.com. We'd love to hear from you and share your comments and things on the show. So don't hesitate to reach out to us anytime. And go live life by your own set of rules. <laughs> Perfectly said. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. <laughs>